Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast, episode 102 at IndieTravelPodcast.com. In today's episode, we're giving you 15 essential items for your trip around the world. You probably have to take more than 15 things, but almost everyone should have this lot. Yeah, you need to add clothes, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> you didn't put in clothes? I don't think so. <laughs> well, we're in Christchurch this week and we're having a really good time. The weather's been beautifully hot and cold and then horribly cold. Yeah, it's it's been a lot colder than we've expected. We just arrived back in New Zealand two weeks ago and Auckland was a lot colder than we expected. We both got a little bit sick from being cold and uh, yeah... But mm. today it looks like it looks quite promising actually yeah speaking of sick we're getting our jabs for um going to china this afternoon and um i don't like needles very much yeah i'm not sure how many we'll need because we did a, a big lot about seven years ago but i think we just need to be checked up yeah we'll give it a go our new flip minnow hd has arrived this is a tiny little video camera and so far we're really impressed with it i guess we'll be doing a full review in a month or so yeah we're really excited about it the next exciting thing is it's May and we're doing a subscriber drive because we'd really like to have more people listening to the show because, you know, we like it. We well, think you like it. We think you like it. <laughs> <laughs> but we quite like more people to listen to it. And uh, so our, our aim is to have 2,000 listeners by the end of May. Now, at the moment, we've got around 1,400 listeners. Now, we can check this by the amount of people that are connecting to the RSS feed all the time. The RSS feed's the thing that makes the iTunes store work and allows it to automatically upload. So there's about 1,400 people on it at the moment. We're trying to increase it to 2,030 days. So we really need your help. We're going to give you a few missions this month so you can help us out if you would be so kind. Each of the things we're going to ask you to do will only take a few minutes. But if everyone does it, it will really help us a lot and it will mean a lot for the podcast. It sure will. Now, the first thing we want you to do, your mission over the next 10 days, is to leave a five-star review in the iTunes store. So, how do you do that? Well, first of all, go to IndieTravelPodcast.com and click the big purple button to open the show on iTunes. Once you're there, go down to where it says Write a Review and... Write a review. (laughs) Um, So it's nice and easy, but the tricky thing is every country has its own review section. So if I'm looking at the iTunes store in New Zealand, I can't see the iTunes reviews in America. Which sucks, because we have quite a lot of listeners in America. It's weird, isn't it? So what we're doing is a bit of an informal competition over this month to see which country can give us the most reviews. So at the moment, America, Canada, and the UK stores all have two iTunes reviews, and the New Zealand store has one, and the rest of the world, get in there and give us some reviews. We've only got <laughs> seven reviews. We've been running the show for more than two years. Seven reviews. So once you've left a review, go to the uh, go back to the site and leave a comment on the 2008 article. Then we'll put you in the draw for one of two US $50 iTunes or Amazon gift vouchers. Which is not bad, really. No, you leave a review for a podcast that you like, and we try and give you a 50-buck gift voucher. That's pretty cool. Make sure you leave um, your iTunes usernames and the country that you reviewed it in, so we can uh, check that out and validate your entry into the draw. That's what we want you to do. So please, help us out. All right, well, let's get on with the, the actual show. So 15 things we think you should take with you on any trip. Yeah. 
first of all, a good backpack. Oh, yeah. So why a backpack instead of a suitcase? Well, a suitcase is okay for some travelers, and some trips, that's what you need. But for independent travelers, a backpack is probably going to be your best bet because you'll be doing a lot of walking. You don't want to spend too much money on taxis, and it's much easier to carry things if you can put it on your back. Also, we've done a lot of walking around places like Venice and that little town in Italy called Bayardo. Lots of cobbled streets. Having a wheelie suitcase is not fun. Yeah, it's quite funny watching someone come out of a like an airport taxi and they need to walk maybe 10 metres to their hotel door and they're in stiletto heels with a wheelie bin on... A you wheelie know, bin? Uh, sorry, a wheelie suitcase. <laughs> Could just about be a wheelie bin. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty much as big as a wheelie bin. <laughs> um... And watching this poor woman try and walk across these 500-year-old cobbles, it was both hilarious and quite sad. So we don't want you to become that person. There are backpacks that you can get that are um, hybrids. They've got wheels on the bottom, and they've also got um, straps so you can put them on. So if you're doing a lot of kind of hotel-type travels, that's a good option for you because then you can use the wheels, but when you get to Venice, you can actually pick up the bag and carry it. Yeah. Now, we've got ourselves down. When we left New Zealand three years ago to start our around-the-world trip, we started off with 70 and 80-litre packs. Oh, and a big uh, carrier bag as well. And a big carrier oh, bag full of stuff. So we had about five bags between us, two giant backpacks, a carrier bag full of stuff, and two day bags, um, which were also filled with stuff. The whole lot was packed. And most of it was useless. I mean, it was mostly clothes on oh, sleeping bags, which we didn't need in the end as well. And just pointless stuff. (laughs) Lots and lots of stuff. So what we recommend is that you get a backpack, which is as small as you possibly can. Now, the smallest bag I've been able to get down with all the electronics and stuff we carry around to do the show is a 45-liter expandable one. So I reckon for most people, 40 to 50 liters, it really is big enough. If you can't fit all of your stuff in there, something's gone terribly wrong and you need to repack throw out half of your clothes and start again it's um it's quite a good idea to choose a dull color when you're choosing your bag because you don't want to really stand out as a backpacker but um you can personalize it with a patch or a colored ribbon so you can identify it on the much like bleh. but you can personalize it with a patch or a colored ribbon so you can identify it on the luggage carousel yeah spotting your bag when it comes off the aircraft can sometimes be a bit of a mission so, yeah, that's a really good idea. The pack that I've got is called a Berghaus Lintius. Um, it's 45 litres, the expansion pack 7, and it's a pretty good all-around pack. I would say the one big critique I'd have, though, it's more of a an outdoors backpacking pack rather than a travel pack, which means it doesn't have lockable zips. Mm. There's no way I can I can lock this bag. It's got a drawstring at the top and a couple of plastic clips. So what I've had to do is buy a second bag as an outer. It's basically just a, an overbag made out of tent-type material. Yeah, so I can I chuck everything in there and any excess baggage as well I can just chuck in there. And then um, I can padlock that just with one padlock. But it's it, really convenient for flying because it's bright red. So he puts his rather dull-coloured pack into it, and then when it comes out on the luggage, luggage carousel, it's really red and bright and you can always tell that it's his yeah absolutely nobody would uh nobody would uh confuse it that's for sure after your good pack the next big thing i'd say is good shoes the reason we're getting the backpack is so it's easy to walk with your stuff 
The reason you're getting good shoes is because you'll be doing lots of walking, probably a lot more than your daily life at home. Definitely. And you're carrying a heavy backpack all the time. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These two things kind of go hand in hand. You, you need to have good shoes so that you don't get blisters, that you don't get sore feet. It really, really is important. Mm. Um, we'd recommend anything by Mindall or with Vibram Soles. But you really just need to go into a shop and try on a few things for size. Make sure you take some good socks to try them on with and walk around a bit before you buy. Yeah, I've, I'm almost completely using Smartwool socks now. That's a brand that I'm really liking, mm-hmm. leaving my feet really comfortable. Um, when you go into the shop, make sure you find um, a salesperson who's actually got some knowledge about walking and explain what countries you're going to be going to and what kind of terrain you're walking on. I've got some outdoor hiking shoes, which I've been using for inner city wear, and they just get destroyed very quickly because the tarmac, the cobbles, and the concrete is um, so much harder than, say, walking on stones or um, walking on dirt tracks in the forest. So they've worn out really, really quickly because I'm using them for both purposes. So make sure the salesperson knows what they're talking about and knows the kind of conditions that you'll be walking in. Something else that we've discovered is it's quite important to get new inners for your for your shoes. Oh yeah, because quite often the inners and the, like the um, inner soles are just crap, useless pieces of paper. Yeah. And um, I mean, we were walking the Camino de Santiago, and I didn't get new ones for quite a while. And then halfway along, I got some new inners, and you really felt the difference. Yeah, you really do. That's worth an extra ten or twenty bucks when you're buying your shoes. So um, so check that out and make sure you get something that feels really good. Try them on together. All right, number three, a sleeping bag. Now, we made the error of taking the biggest, heaviest, most annoying sleeping bags with us on our trip to Europe, and we barely used them. However, when we did need them, we really needed them. So you won't need a sleeping bag everywhere you go, but some hostels don't provide linen, and you'll, you'll get cold without it. The good thing to do is choose the smallest one you can find with a comfort rating of at least plus five degrees centigrade. Yeah, I'd recommend, if you can afford it, getting one that'll go down into the negatives, maybe about negative 5 degrees Celsius, um, and but make sure it's light, like weighing under a kilo. Yeah, um, and make sure it packs down small, because yeah. you don't have a lot of space in your 45 litre pack, so you don't want something that'll take up a third of it like some people did. Yeah, <laughs> so while it's super small, it's super light, and it's super warm, it's going to be super expensive. That's right. Um, so another way to get around it is to buy something that's okay, which is dirt cheap, mm, that's, and that's leave it behind. Did. That's what we ended up doing. Yeah, we were we left our big, enormous sleeping bags up in Scotland, and we were staying at a friend's house, and she didn't have any spare linen, so we needed sleeping bags like immediately for that day. We had a wish list of, you know, less than 50 pounds in price, less than a kilo in weight, and better than negative five degrees in in temperature. Yeah. The closest we could find was about 320 pounds. Oh, we we found the things that we wanted in terms of... uh, Technicality. Technicality, but not in terms of price. And then we finally found something. It was about 1.1 kilos per sleeping bag. It went down to, I think five degrees above zero but it only cost 30 quid for two sleeping bags and a tent so we were quite happy with that (laughs) (laughs) we had to compromise on something and that was a good compromise to make i think was if you are happy to pay then mountain hardware would be one of my favorite brands um the ultra lamina 15 is going to cost you about 150 to 200 us dollars but it is brilliant can i have one 
No. Please? No. If you're absolutely sure you're going to have blankets wherever you go, then a good compromise, um, a good alternative to a sleeping bag is just a sleeping bag liner. They really are small, and it's basically just a sack that you can sleep in. And you can get cotton ones or silk ones. Just choose one that you like the look of. Mm, Indeed. So moving on from sleeping is going outside and don't skimp out on a rain jacket. Oh, yeah. It will rain during your trip. Now, if you're going to, like, southern Greece during summer, just take a $2 plastic poncho. But take something. Yeah. Because when it pours, it really pours. But most people, if you're changing countries, um, if you're doing some more kind of rugged outdoorsy stuff, or if you're going somewhere that's actually really cold, like Europe in summer, spring, autumn, or winter, (laughs) then you want to bring a real good jacket. Um, I've got a Mountain Hardware Zenon, which is a dual-layer jacket. On the inside is a nice, fluffy, very, very warm inner layer. And then on the outside is a really rugged, hard, completely waterproof layer. Now, the good thing is, if it's warm and raining, I can wear the outer. If it's cold and dry, I can wear the inner. And if it's really cold and raining, I can wear them both together. And um, it does the job perfectly. It's good for hiking, um, and it looks nice enough to wear around town. That was the balance I was looking for. Apparently not at the dinner table, though. Apparently not, no. Okay, number five, thermal underwear. Now, we've just got back to New Zealand, and it's cold here. It's much colder than we expected. And than you expected. No, I knew that it was going to be cold, but I, didn't, I don't know. It's just been kind of cold and damp, and that's really gotten to my chest, and I'm not enjoying it. But uh, we've realized that it's time to update our thermal underwear. We've always been carrying thermal underwear. We've always got it at the, back of our, at the bottom of our pack. We don't necessarily use them very often, but when we do use them, it's kind of the basis of the clothing that we wear that day. Sometimes we've got thermal underwear on the bottom and then another pair of trousers and then another pair of trousers and then, you know, just, yeah. you know you're just piling everything up on top. So thermal underwear is key. Yeah, you're much better buying layers than buying big bulky stuff. So a good layer on the bottom is ultimate. Yeah. Your two main choices are probably between some kind of wool and polypropylene. So, what do you reckon? Well, I'd definitely go with merino wool. Merino wool is one of the best insulating layers because it, it wicks out and it keeps you warm and it's actually fine for summer as well because it keeps you cool. Yeah, it does. And a good thing about wool is that it's not so smelly. I That's find... right. Your smart wool socks are amazing. <laughs> yeah. Polyprop is getting better and getting smarter and getting less smelly, but it's still, in my opinion, or in my experience of the stuff that, that I've used, just hasn't caught up. And merino does hide the odours that you get from stuff being that close to your skin all day. Unfortunately, merino is really, 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 really expensive if you're not in a New Zealand or Australia. I mean, <laughs> yes. We went shopping into a, you know, a sports goods shop in uh, the UK and we found some really nice icebreaker stuff. We're like, right, we want some more thermals. Let's buy it. But it was like £140 per piece, which is just a little bit too much. Just, just, a, just little. a little bit. We so, came back to New Zealand and it was the same price in New Zealand dollars, which is, you know, about a third of the price. <laughs> yeah, I think just over a third. So it's, um, it's a little bit different. And you go into like one of the, um, you know, department stores, farmers or the warehouse, and they have merino wool trousers for 40 bucks. 
yeah. which is what I bought. I went to the warehouse and got some for $35. Mint. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If they're comfortable, the the cut doesn't matter that much. So if you can't afford merino, and it can be really expensive, it certainly was too expensive for us in Britain. Then polyprop or polypropylene is a a good fallback. Yeah, I, my top. I bought one pair of merino trousers, one merino top, and I also bought a polyprop top as well. So now I've got my layers sorted. Mm. One thing to remember if you've never bought this kind of thing before is make sure it fits reasonably tightly. It shouldn't be stretched over your skin, but it should be hugging it all yeah. the way along. Otherwise you lose uh, you lose the warm qualities of it. Yeah. Okay, number six. Now number six is really, really important. A money belt. If you want to keep your money and your passport safe, the best way is to keep them on you, but out of sight. And the best way to do that is to have a money belt that you put under your clothes that you never take out. Yeah. If you've seen the, what was that movie? Euro, Euro Trip. Euro Trip. Yeah, that's how not to do it. What you do is when you get up in the morning, you put on this uh, put on this money belt. It's a skin-coloured um, kind of pouch that just flat. sits it's over it's your flat belly. Flat to your skin. Yeah. So you make sure you don't put your camera in there like I've seen some people do. It's like... What's that weird rectangle sticking out <laughs> of that person's stomach? Um, you put in flat things like your passport, any paper tickets, and any cash. And Don't put cards. every single document you own in there. You're going to look like a 500-pound gorilla or you've got a major beer belly. Yeah. Um, so you just put in the really important flat things. When you get up in the morning, you put it on, you put your shirt over the top of it, and you never touch it all day. If you need to use your passports during the day, put them in your day bag for that day. Put them in your pocket for that day. If you have no cash in your wallet, but you've got a thousand bucks in your in your pouch, take it out in the morning. Don't yeah. step out the door and go, hey, look, I need some money, Linda. I'll just get out $500 from the money belt. Would anyone in the street like this $500 or like to mug me? Here <laughs> I am. Hello. We never even talked about it in public. If we needed to talk about it, we used a code word, which probably sounded a bit strange, but we just didn't want people to know that we were wearing a money belt. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Yes. We're in New Zealand. We have to do some Lord of the Rings references. <laughs> you shall not pass. Nobody's going to leave home without a camera. So... What kind of camera? What are you recommending at the moment for normal people, not professional photographers? Well, I quite like our camera. It's very nice. It takes SD cards because that's the easiest way to kind of transfer information. And, um, yeah, it's really easy to buy replacement cards. Mm -hmm. You can often just stick them straight into a machine at the, at the printers if you want to print them out. I'd find that the easiest. Yeah, because SD cards are the most common form of... Um of digital kind of memory at the moment they're really easy to buy yeah. so you can buy them almost anywhere and um yeah that does make it really handy when you run out or if they break for some reason yeah so i just go for a digital camera re relatively cheap ours is waterproof which is really useful but that's not essential at all and just one that takes sd cards yeah now one thing to consider with batteries is whether you get one that works with AA batteries or whether you get a lithium-ion camera. I used to recommend that people get AA ones because... Linda's shaking her head and screaming. <laughs> but simply because you could buy them anywhere so you never had to worry about running out of batteries because oh, there was, was a so store expensive. within 10 metres that sold them. But if you wanted to get batteries that you could use in a, in a digital camera, then 
Either you got the cheap ones and they lasted for four photos, or you got the expensive ones and you never had any money, or you had the rechargeable ones and you had to cart around a really annoying battery charger as part of your you know, electronics kit. Very frustrating. So get one with a little lithium-ion battery and actually check out the size of the battery charger before yeah. you buy the camera. That's something that has uh, got some friends of ours. And buy at least one spare battery. Um, we have two, so we can swap them in and out, and um, and that's enough for most people that are taking lots of photos. That's right. When we bought the camera, we just also bought a spare battery, so it was worked into the price, so we didn't really think of it. Mm. Now, thinking of power, um, you need some kind of adapter to convert your electricity or your prongs on the end of the electricity plug to someone else's. Yeah. I mean, people kind of recommend taking... No electronics. No electronics, but... It just isn't happening. You're, you're going to have a camera. You're probably going to have a, a phone. So you are going to need to charge them. The best thing to do is just to take one adapter that can go from anywhere to anywhere. So you can plug it into any wall and you can plug any, any electronics in and it will charge. The one that we totally love is the Swiss Travel Products adapter. You can plug products from the UK, uh, America, Australia, New Zealand, Europe and most of Asia into, into the adapter, and it'll plug into the wall in all of those countries as well. The little prongs just kind of swish out. Yeah, it's really good. One version's also got a USB charger, which admittedly we haven't had much luck with, but I think we've got a faulty unit. I don't think that's really connecting. Yeah. So you can also plug in your iPod um, and other stuff that'll charge off USB right into it. Something you do need is a padlock, and what you actually need is one padlock for every place your bag zips in or at least zips into the main compartment Mm. i wouldn't worry about the side pockets that much but if you've got three access points into the main part of your bag then you'll want a padlock for each of them that's right we we really recommend the um combination locks because we've had the ones with keys and you lose the keys yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's just not worth it i mean at the bottom of my bag i've got one of those zip out compartments where you can put your sleeping bag in I usually just lock that with a keypad lock because I don't I don't use it very often and then I lock the top of the bag with a combination lock on to number 10 coming into the home straight earplugs earplugs oh my goodness you will definitely need earplugs yeah if you're staying in hostels there'll be people coming in during the night um there'll be people that snore there'll just be people you know roll over in bed and if you're a light sleeper that's going to keep you awake all night if you're not used to traffic noise as well and you're in a noisy hostel with traffic going past all the time then that might keep you awake as well Mm. i recommend you just pick up three or four pairs in your local pharmacy or supermarket get the the disposable soft foam ones and then you can throw them away when they get manky yeah, what I do is um, I use, I've got in-ear kind of noise-canceling headphones, the ones that just sit like in a cushion in your ear, and um, the last set I had were really comfortable, so I could just chuck those in and that was fine. The new ones that I've got are no good at all, so um, I'm going to be picking up some foam ones this afternoon, actually. <laughs> now, number 11 is a travel towel. One of the largest items many travellers have with them is a traditional beach towel, it's huge, and it's heavy. It's heavy, and, and especially when it's wet, it's really, really heavy. And it dries so slowly. Yeah. So um, the best thing to do is to grab a travel towel from your local camping or travel store, and it will definitely be worth your while. 
Yeah. Do you have any brand recommendations for that? We've used dozens, haven't we? Well, we've lost them on various places. We just usually would go into Kathmandu, which is a New Zealand tramping and camping store, and pick up one of their in-brand ones. Yeah. A travel clothesline is really handy. Um, If you are traveling for more than a week, you're going to be washing clothes as you go. And you can leave stuff kind of semi hanging over the side of your bunk bed, but it's not going to dry very well. So you can get um, a specialist clothesline. What it's got is metal hooks on either side, and the whole middle is made up of um, twisted elastic. Yeah, it's two strands of elastic twisted together. Mm. So you chuck, um, chuck a hook over something on one side, stretch it out, put a hook on another, and instead of picking your clothes in, you jam it between the two strands of elastic, and that just holds it in. You do have to find somewhere to hang it. Um, <laughs> that can be tricky. <laughs> that can be difficult, but I mean, the hotel bathroom or in the yard or, you know, there's heaps of places you can usually hang it. If you're staying for more than a couple of days, it's not too much of a trouble. That's right. And um, do everyone else a favor and take it down as soon as you can. You don't want to be um, clotheslining people with it. (laughs) That wasn't meant to be a pun, but I couldn't think of another word. (laughs) Right. Coming down the home stretch now, number 13, a good personalized first aid kit. That's right. You never know what might go wrong. And having a first first aid kit is a definite must yeah it doesn't have to be huge which is our mistake we really overpack in this area we've always got too much stuff remember we carried Um, around that tape for like two years yeah that big thing of tape now it would have been really useful if anything had gone wrong nothing went wrong nothing went wrong and it weighed about (laughs) 200 grams we finally used it one day when we were walking the Camino de Santiago and one of our friends um, had a, a shoe emergency the sole fell off his shoe halfway to the next destination and we pulled out this huge old roll of tape and we're like here you go you can tape it back on he's like wow that's great (laughs) (laughs) but um it took him quite a bit to get it get it unstuck because it was so old and useless (laughs) i'm never gonna live this down never ever okay so what's a basic first aid kit look like um some painkillers something like paracetamol and ibuprofen um some diarrhea tablets and the opposite kind of tablets um, some plasters or band-aids, um, some insect repellent, um, condoms, hand sanitizer, and I'd also throw in a small pair of scissors if you are um, checking in your baggage. small pair of scissors can be really good for all sorts of things. Yeah, definitely. Now, some of the countries that you'll go to, the medication sold over the counter in pharmacies aren't necessarily to be trusted. So if you have any medication that you really, really need, take as, mu- take as much as you can imagine needing, and a little more is back up. In most places, you can get replacement medication, but uh, if it's essential to your health, you might want to take it with you. Yeah. Um, drug prices in the States are some of the highest in the world, so if you're, um, if you're leaving from the States, I wouldn't stock up in a huge way. i just take... You know, whatever painkillers you've got and buy something new when you arrive wherever you're going. Um, Things like aspirin and paracetamol are so generic. You don't need a brand. Um, And be aware of um, imports in various countries. I'll never forget flying into Greece and figuring out that codeine is illegal. Now, this is a strong painkiller, but it's pretty common. I can walk into uh, into a chemist's here in New Zealand and buy a box of codeine without prescription. It's not, you know, it's just a strong painkiller. 
but it's completely illegal in Greece. That's right. So, um, so also, yeah. some, some drugs are illegal to carry if they're not prescribed to you. We heard about a friend of ours who, whose mother had given him some of her sleeping tablets so he could sleep on the plane. But they were prescription medication and completely illegal to carry. Yeah, overseas, overseas especially. So uh, he, he, just, he got away with a warning because he explained the situation, but that, that drug was pretty much just illegal. Yeah. So if you are carrying medication that's prescribed to you, keep it in its original container with the label on. Mm. And your script. Yes, in your script if yeah, you've got it. Carry a copy of that. Um, take a journal or a diary. It doesn't have to be huge. I like the little small moleskins um, because you want to remember stuff. I mean, you'll have your photos, sure, and you get to the end of the day and you go, oh, never forget that. That was awesome. And you'll wake up the next day and do something just as cool and completely forget about the day before. That's right. I mean, you might want to keep a blog on the internet, but a notebook is a really cool thing to do anyway because you can store your tickets, stickers, and other mementos. Yeah, we keep a travel blog in which I store kind of the narrative of my memory online. But yeah, I stick in ticket stubs and stuff like that into my diary and yeah it's really nice to have some realia to have some stuff you can touch and really bring back things like the font that they use on the ticket can bring back so many memories we had a really cool day the other day we were in melbourne and we stopped in at one of our favorite cafes in the world called coco black and we just had a really nice hot chocolate and we played chess and the waiter came over and gave us a chocolate as the prize and as we were leaving i just picked up one of the little business cards which is a little square card that said coco black on it and that just kind of epitomizes that experience. I stuck it into my diary and, mm. you know, I've got a, a tangible reminder. Yeah, it's like that's a, that's a tool, that's a window into that memory. That's right, and, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really awesome. Finally, a pack of cards. Yeah, don't underestimate the value of a pack of cards. They're a great way to get a group together in a hostel, hostel lounge or, you know. Rainy afternoon. Yeah. You're sitting there, you're bored, you're tired, you're grumpy and yeah yeah quite often we'll we'll have pulled out a pack of cards and we'll just be playing together and you know you might say something to someone else and they'll go oh can i play or you're offered to let them play and you know all of a sudden you've got a group of people laughing and chatting and it's just a central activity yeah and if you're good you can pay for your accommodation playing poker (laughs) craig you're not allowed to recommend that it's true. Retracted. Retracted. <laughs> it's not something that I could ever do, but it, we have met people that are mainly funding their travels through winning money off other backpackers and hostels. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a few sharks around the hosteling scene. Don't play poker with people who are trying to fund their travels. <laughs> Absolutely, because <laughs> they're probably going to win. <laughs> All right, well, that's our 15 top things to pack. Now, don't forget to add some clothes and some underwear and, you know, a few other things. These are kind of the the extra bits and pieces. Yeah, if you've got something that you would consider absolutely essential um, as we consider these 15 items, then please do come by the site and leave some comments or you can send us some audio by email if you want to explain it further. Don't forget, we're after 2000 in May. This is our big subscriber drive for the year, so please do go into the iTunes store and give us a five-star review. Please don't go into the iTunes store and give us a one-star review. <laughs> we wouldn't really be very happy. And, you, you can know, if you want. You can you know. if you want, but I don't think we'd be entering you in the competition to win no. a $50 voucher. 
we still would. You, 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 leave a, you leave a review. You leave a comment on the site with your username and your country so we can verify it and get in touch with you. And we will put you in the drawer for a $50 iTunes or Amazon voucher. All right, I just want to do a shout-out to Jeff, who's uh, starting a round-the-world trip. He's in South America at the moment, which is cool. And to, he blogs at itinerantlondoner.wordpress.com. Yeah, um, also to hopandjaunt.com. Uh, this is Ellie and John. They are currently sitting in the Caribbean on a boat, and once or twice a week they row across the bay to update their blog and download the Indie Travel podcast. So, guys, thanks for listening. Must not be jealous. <laughs> Must not be jealous. Ellie's also the designer who's responsible for the little purple iTunes buttons that we desperately want you to press. Oh, and they're such cool <laughs> buttons. You should definitely go and have a look at them. <laughs> Intertravelpodcast.com. Purple buttons. <laughs> and if you come by the site today, you'll find the uh, new desktop wallpaper by Gary Arndt. So you can uh, download that onto your desktop. It's an uh, amazing picture of tea in the Sahara. Oh, it's really cool. Yeah, really cool. And uh, this week we're starting up a new photo article. So there'll be weekly photos on site from now on. So that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.